Good morning, Four Mile. Good to see everybody. Welcome to those of you joining us online. So if you've been with us over the past month, you know that we're kind of working through some things that Paul's been showing us, how once we've been born again, we have some next steps to take. How first we've got to put something off, we've got to put off some things that belong to the former way of life, and then we've got to put something on, the new self, created after the likeness of God. And then Paul gave us four very specific examples so we can see what he's talking about. Lying, anger, stealing, and corrupt talk. And I hope, just like me, it's been challenging for you, um, perhaps maybe even a little bit unsettling. And that's why it's also important that we remind ourselves when we look into this kind of stuff that we aren't cleaning ourselves up. Paul's not asking us to do this so that we can work our way into heaven. No, it's because we're already going to heaven. It's because we've already placed our faith in Jesus. We're already born again. And so what we need to be doing is growing up on this path to holiness. And that path to holiness is described by those three words that you see up there. Justified, sanctified, and glorified. Once we've repented of our sin and we placed our faith in Jesus, we are justified. Or we're made right before God by that red drop of blood we're set apart from the world, and we receive the Holy Spirit. And at that point, we cannot lose our salvation. It's been purchased once and for all by Jesus, and that's what it means to be born again. And then we enter that second phase, sanctification, where the Holy Spirit walks with us hand in hand down that narrow, well-lighted path. That's where we as believers are right now, each day, putting off the old self, putting on the new self. Now, we also have to remind ourselves that, wait a second, that sounds like a pretty good deal. So I'm already going to heaven, so I can pretty much behave and do whatever I want to do. That's called antinomianism, and that's exactly what Paul is preaching against here. He's telling us, no, we can't do that. That's not an option because we've been justified, and therefore we must be sanctified. And then today, this is a very insightful message from Paul, but today he gives us something that we cannot do on this path to holiness. Paul writes, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So as we walk down this path to holiness each day for the rest of our lives, Paul teaches that we must be very aware of our relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm afraid this teaching today about grieving the Holy Spirit, it explains so much of our lives as Christians. If you've ever felt like you did something that's so bad as a Christian that God has abandoned you, that he won't even look at you anymore, then you need to pay very close attention to these words today. Because while we can't ever lose our salvation, there are real consequences whenever we grieve the Holy Spirit. So let's start by making sure that we're clear about a few things regarding the Holy Spirit because he is so often misunderstood, especially among Christians. First, the Holy Spirit is not a power, not a force, not some mystical, magical energy that you can tap into like some sorcerer. He is not an it. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity, and he is God. 
Now, we often use this graphic up here to help us appreciate the paradox of the Trinity. And a paradox means on the one hand, something is true, but on the other hand, something else is true, and they seem to contradict, but they can't because they're both true. For example, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But on the other hand, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are three persons in one God, each with a separate and unique identity. The Father is the creator and sustainer of the universe, the Son is the Savior and Lord of the world, and the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier of God's people. He is the one who makes us more holy each day as we grow up along that narrow path, always convicting, counseling and comforting us to put off the old self and put on the new self so we become more like Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's role as he sanctifies us along that path to holiness. And the Holy Spirit does this from within because he indwells us. He takes up residence in our inner being. It's what makes us uniquely Christian. In fact, this teaching today is what separates Christianity from all other religions. Because as you know, in almost every religion, they teach that you shouldn't get angry, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't use corrupt words. So what makes Christians different is the reason for the change that Paul describes here. It's so that we will not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, the person of God who lives within us, the person of God who seals or guarantees us for the day of redemption securing our salvation. That is what makes us uniquely Christian, and that is why this is uniquely Christian teaching. So you see, we're not changing our clothes to clean ourselves up. We're doing it for God, because He's holy, because His Holy Spirit lives in us, and because the Holy Spirit is a person. So we're in a relationship with Him. That's why God sent his son, to restore the relationship between God and man that was broken by our sin. And that's also why God sent the Holy Spirit, to ensure that the relationship continues, sealing us and making us more holy. So in the here and now of our day-to-day -day life, we are in a relationship with God by his indwelling Holy Spirit. And so since he is a person, he can be grieved. He can be hurt by us, and we do it far too often. In many ways, this text explains why we often feel so far away from God, because we have put distance between us and His Holy Spirit by grieving Him with our sin. It's what hinders our fellowship with God. It's what keeps us from growing up in Christ. So as you can see, it's pretty important for us to understand what it means for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, the word in the original language is lupeo, and it means hurt, cause grief, make sorrowful, or sad. It's actually quite remarkable when you think about it, that we as mere humans could hurt God. I mean, after all, He's eternal, sovereign, the creator and sustainer of the cosmos, so he sits above his creation. And that's why we always say that he is the first mover. But here's the thing. 
He's not an unmoved mover. He can be hurt by us, just as in any relationship. So how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, a couple of ways. The first and most obvious way, and it sort of underpins all the others, is to express thoughts, words, and deeds that are not holy. In other words, every time we engage in sin, in any form of unholiness, we grieve Him. And notice, that includes actions, our words, and yes, even our thoughts, because He dwells within us. So He knows everything about us. There's nothing we can hide from Him. So since He's the Holy Spirit, every time we engage in anything that is unholy, we grieve Him. Second, whenever we fail to realize His presence. Imagine if God were sitting right here in this front pew. Do you think any of us would fail to realize His presence? Do you think we might ignore Him? Or do you think we might behave just a little bit differently? Well, imagine if He was with us in our cars going to work, would we behave differently? If He came with us to work, what if we got out of the car and we got home from work and came into our homes? Well, here's the thing. He is. He's with us all the time. In fact, He's here right now. We just sang about it. He's in each of us who've been born again. So we must start living in light of this fact. And that's why we mentioned a few months back about how unfortunate it is when we pray carelessly. For example, when we ask God to be with us, or maybe we ask or pray that God might be with a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Well, he's already here. He's in them. And that grieves him when we fail to realize his presence. Same goes whenever we invite the Holy Spirit to join us for worship, or we say, God really showed up that day. He's already here. We couldn't worship without him. He's the one who empowers us to worship. And you know, whenever I point this out to people, they say, well, you know what I mean. No, I don't. And I don't think you know what you mean either. It's a slight to the Holy Spirit. It grieves him when we fail to live in light of his presence within us. Third, when we fail to respond to his promptings or seek his counsel. When the Holy Spirit compels us to do devotions, to read scripture, maybe pray for someone, and then we put it off. Or when the Holy Spirit convicts us that we need to assist some friend or a neighbor in our life, but then we tend to our own business instead. Or when the Holy Spirit presents needs to us and we fail to step up to meet those needs. Or we move on on matters in our life without seeking his counsel, making decisions without bathing them in prayer or making choices that are clearly out of step with Scripture. It grieves him when we ignore him. Fourth, we fail to appreciate the ultimate goal of salvation, God's glory alone. That's why we have it up here now. The goal of salvation is not to have our sins forgiven. It's not to have no more problems in our life or to be happy in heaven someday. No, our goal is to live for God's glory alone. God is glorious and we are to glorify Him. And we do that when we prioritize God's glory alone as our chief end or our chief purpose in life. So that when we're tempted to lie or steal, we don't do it because God's glory is at stake. 
When we're tempted to go to those websites we know we shouldn't, we close our browser because God's glory is at stake. When we're tempted to allow our minds to wander to places they shouldn't go, we reel them back in because God's glory is at stake. When we're about to engage in anything unholy, we immediately stop because God's glory is at stake. It's what keeps us from giving in to temptation because our priority is God's glory alone, not ours. And to be clear, it's not God's glory, and we get a little bit of glory too, it's God's glory alone. The Holy Spirit is God. It grieves Him when we don't seek His glory alone. Because His glory is the ultimate objective of everything on that path up there to holiness. It's why Jesus humbled himself, why he became a man, suffered and died on a cross for God's glory. It's why the Holy Spirit was sent to indwell all those who place their faith in Jesus for God's glory. And so it's why when we've been born again, our focus must shift from self to God's glory too. Because you see, all that God has done for us means that we are now sealed for the day of redemption. So no matter what we've done, whether it's been on that wide path or it's been on that narrow path, no matter how dark anything we've done, we are to repent and we are forgiven. We have the Holy Spirit within us who guarantees our salvation on the day of redemption. And so our new life in Christ is for one thing and one thing only. It's for God's glory. That is our life's objective. And notice too, how the third and final phase of the path to holiness is even called glorified. Because that's when all remaining sin in our lives has been removed. And we stand before God in all His glory, and we are glorified then too. So all glory to God alone, because He is the one who justifies us by the blood that His Son shared for us. All glory to God alone, because He is the one who sanctifies us sending His Holy Spirit to make us more Christ-like. And all glory to God alone, because He is the one who glorifies us, so we can stand before Him in His holiness. The indwelling Holy Spirit is our seal. He is the promise that we will be holy for God's glory alone. And that's why the Holy Spirit is such a precious gift to those who've been born again and those who are being sanctified. How could we ever entertain thinking, saying, or doing anything that might grieve Him. So what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, a couple of things. First, the language that's often used is that the Holy Spirit withdraws from us, but we need to be very careful with that kind of language. In some sense, that's true, but we want to make sure we're clear about this. Because it's not like we irritate the Holy Spirit and He just takes His ball and He goes home. Nothing could be further from the truth. For certain, He doesn't ever leave us or forsake us, but there is a distance, in a sense, between us. Just like when we grieve or we hurt a friend, things go quiet for a bit, don't they? Fellowship or communion has been hindered. But because they're a friend, they don't go away. It just feels like an awkward distance now. And the distance isn't because of any form of retaliation no, there's a perceived distance simply because we sinned. We grieved Him. 
So we lose a sense of God's evident presence in our lives. An uneasiness sets in. There's a loss of comfort. We find the pages of Scripture start to become dull, uninspiring. We lose fervor in our prayers. We don't even want to pray. Our devotion becomes a burden instead of a joy because we have grieved the Holy Spirit as a result of our sin. Second, we're given over to an even greater extent to worldly desires. Recall that one of the key outcomes of being born again is that our inner beings take control of deceitful desires. And that's because the Holy Spirit dwells in our inner being. And so sin loses its grip on us. But when our fellowship with the Holy Spirit is hindered, deceitful desires begin to overtake our inner being. We find ourselves fiddling around again with that nasty stuff back on that wide, dark path. We call it backsliding. The attacks from the evil one become more effective as we succumb to foul thoughts, words, and deeds. It's because we are no longer turning to the Holy Spirit for wisdom and strength. Our communion with Him has been encumbered. We've grieved Him by our sin. Third, this causes us to then begin to question whether we were ever a child of God in the first place. We look around and the evidence dwindles the further we find ourselves backsliding as we increasingly give in to the devil's attacks. We start to feel abandoned. We start questioning whether God ever chose us. It's because we're listening to the voice of the accuser and not the voice of the Holy Spirit because we've grieved him. Remember, the voice of the devil employs lies, rejects repentance and forgiveness, and fosters despair. That's why we start to question, could it be that we're actually not one of his adopted children after all? And so we must learn to ignore that voice of accusation and listen only to the Holy Spirit's voice of conviction. Fourth, and therefore we don't have assurance of our salvation like Scripture tells us that we should have. We question the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we no longer sense His presence. We've grieved Him. We start trying to work for our salvation, try to clean ourselves up for all the wrong reasons. We lose sight of grace. We lose sight of God's promise that whoever believes in Him will not perish. We fear death. We're terrified that our sins are too great to be forgiven. And fifth, we don't bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives any longer. We don't have a keen sense of God's love for us, so we don't love others. We don't have joy of our salvation because our eyes are focused on self and in the here and now. There is no peace in our life. We become impatient about everything. Our disposition is no longer marked by kindness and goodness. We lack faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And far too many Christians live like this simply because they've grieved the Holy Spirit with their unrepentant sin, and His fruit no longer ripens in their lives. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit will never leave us, never forsake us. He is still here. He has been grieved for sure, but He will continue to convict us of our sin. Just like He did that very first day when we got down on our knees and placed our faith in Jesus the day that we were justified. And all those thoughts, feelings, and emotions we experience when we grieve Him, all those accusations that we were never saved, 
that we were damned to hell. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit overpowers the voice of the accuser with his voice of conviction, bringing us back to where we need to be, to a state of humble repentance focused on God's glory alone. Because you see, the Holy Spirit will never abandon us. He can't. He is a seal. He's a promise from God that whoever places their faith in Jesus will not perish, but will have eternal life. And because he is still in us, he will always and forevermore be convicting us to repent so that we bend the knee in total dependence on the promise of Christ's blood to forgive us, bring us back into communion with him as we progress down that path to holiness. Remember, he didn't pull away, we did. We pulled away because we failed to progress down that path of holiness. And that is why we must not grieve the Holy Spirit, because it brings unnecessary pain, agony, loss, and despair, and all because we simply refuse to just put off that old self, because we refuse to put, on, put off that nasty, foul, sinful ways of life that are on that wide, dark path that lead us to eternal destruction. It's why we need to start seeing our sins for what they really are. They are nasty, foul stuff, because they cause us to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, who has been given to us as a seal for the day of redemption, the day when our work on earth is done and we attain to our chief end, glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. When we look back over our Christian lives, it's outright humbling how much we've grieved the Holy Spirit. And yet, He never leaves us. He loves us that much. We are sealed for the day of redemption. So we must start each day reminding ourselves that we are a child of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Then we must ask, seek, and knock for the strength to make every thought, every word, and every deed glorify God alone. And then we got to get after it, putting off the sin in our lives so that we don't ever grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray. Almighty God, it's hard to imagine how after all that you've done for us, how we could ever grieve your Holy Spirit, your presence dwelling in us, sealing us as one of your adopted children because of the blood that your son shed to pay the penalty for our sin. Father, bring us to our knees so that we might repent each day, turning from our sin and turning back to you. Thank you for your promise to never leave us or forsake us. It is for your glory alone that we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit and in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>